there's nothing more beautiful, is there not, than seeing the light of God come in to a life of darkness and bring light to that individual's lives. That uh, testimony that you just saw is from uh, one of our mission fields for the Christian Missionary Alliance, of which we are part of in Thailand. Maybe you've seen that testimony before, but it Every time I hear of transformation that happens, especially with those where there's not a lot of gospel presentation, my heart is thrilled. And my heart's thrilled when I see individuals who are out there knocking it down for God to be able to see the light of God come and change the life of individuals. In fact, Sue, who was that missionary right there, is an individual I went to uh, graduate school with. But today, we are here in this room. In the Temecula Valley, your life has um, maybe been okay this week. We could go around the room and say, uh, how are things going? Uh, sometimes uh, I do this in uh, life groups. I say, give me your high and your low for the week. Maybe you're online watching today. And part of the reason you're online is because you couldn't make it here today for some issues that we're having. But what's your high? What's your low? What's your high? What's your low? You want to speak up, turn to somebody and tell them that? No, hold on. It would we'll be here all day if you do that. But I tell you what, no matter how many lows you have for a week or a month or maybe a year, if you want to have a high, then you get into the business of doing what 1 John says. The Apostle John said in 1 John 1.5, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. And whether you're a missionary on some foreign land or you're a missionary that's in your school system, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, you start sharing the light of God to see lives change and you will have some highs. You know why? Because you were made to do that. You were made to do that, especially as a follower of Jesus this morning. You were made to share the message of light and life. And if you're here this morning and just sort of checking God out and trying to figure out where things are spiritually in your own life, guess what? This message is for you. And not only does God want to bring life through his light into your world, he wants you to join him in that journey. Now, we said last week, John, as one of the disciples of Jesus Christ, um, he was just carrying on what Jesus had told them to do as disciples, which was to make disciples of all nations. He was just carrying on the witness of the resurrection of Christ. He was doing this for a lot of years. He wrote this epistle, which is in a letter. He wrote this letter to Christians probably somewhere in the latter part of the first century as an elderly uh, man or statesman, probably from uh, the letter uh, was written from Ephesus, which is an Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey area. And he wrote it uh, to various people Christians that could be uh, uh, passed from one town to another. He was called the Bishop of Asia. He had been exiled on the island of Patmos for a period of time. It's where he wrote the book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible. But 1 John is probably uh, the last letter, last words really ever written. 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Here's a question for you this morning. How old were the disciples when Jesus picked them in the beginning. 
How old do you think they are? What's in your mind? When you think of those 12, and we came through a series recently called Follow, and you can follow no matter you know, what your doubt or belief is. You can follow no matter what kind of uh, lifestyle or sin condition. Jesus just called people to come follow him. And when he called Peter to come follow, when he called James and John, the sons of Zebedee, to come follow, how old do you think they were? Well, we don't know for sure. But we do know this, that Jesus was like 30. And if a rabbi was picking people to follow him, they were probably much younger. And in fact, in the Jewish culture of that day, um, you would have your religious education beginning with the littles, like Aaron was up here encouraging us to be involved in, and then with the elementary, um, like is being taught right now, that they would have it all finished by the time they were probably 13 to 15, which is the age of some of those kids that exited to go out to the back lot for middle school this morning. The teaching began at a very young age to follow God. Most likely, the disciples of Jesus Christ were somewhere between the ages of 13 and 28. There were teenagers. Could it be that John was a teenager? Peter was probably one of the older ones that says Peter was married, but you got married very young in those days because he had a mother-in-law, Scripture says. Now, John was told that he needed to take care of Jesus' mother on the cross, but here's John at a very young age. One of the reasons that family ministry is so critical to us, to engage, to be able to be a part of that process, is because you have to begin young, especially in our culture today, to be able to lay the foundation of what the important things are in life. And the important things aren't just, you know, trying to, you know, have a happy home and to be able to have something that's fulfilling in your life career-wise. The fulfilling life is being able to take this message of light and life to all people and to understand foundationally how God has called us to live our lives. And so if you're in some of the, the downer, I had some lows this kind of week, I want to call you back. And that's what John was doing. John was calling them back after all these years. You know, he's maybe up into the age of 90. Starting as a teenager, he's calling them back and say, Hey, remember, I want you to lean into me on this one. Here's my letter of instruction to you. Not only in 90 AD, but in 2021. This is our message. And our message that we declare to you and to others is that God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. So we began last week to walk through this epistle. I'm not sure how long we're going to be camped here. I thought I would move through it pretty quickly, but I started to get into it even more this week. You ever do that in Scripture sometimes? Or get into some project, and you're going, this is taking longer? It may be one of those kinds of series, I don't know. I want you to know that God wants you to not only come and sit in church to hear his series on his scripture and his word. I want you to know that his Holy Spirit wants to speak to you from his word this morning. These are the words written by John centuries ago but the Holy Spirit can write them on your heart and my heart afresh and anew today. And we're going to walk through some of the intricacies of a couple verses today, but just lean back and take in 
the initial instruction from the Holy Spirit. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, seen with our eyes and which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it and we proclaim to you the eternal life with which the Father has appeared to us. We proclaim to you that we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from Him and declare to you, God is light in Him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with Him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, purifies us from all sin. We'll stop there. We started it last week. Let me tag a couple of those thoughts from last week. The Apostle John, later years in life, there was a lot of uh, problems starting to seep in concerning the gospel message and one of those was that Jesus wasn't a real person that he was just sort of a, a spirit kind of being who appeared as a real person and he wanted them to know no you don't understand I'm one of those eyewitnesses and he says from the beginning from the beginning what we heard what we've seen what we've looked at we have our hands have touched and we have proclaimed this concerning the word of life he was adamant that they knew that this wasn't some make-believe or some uh, legend or some type of thing that was conjured up in the minds of people. This was the real person, and this person was from the beginning. He was the word of life. And that life appeared. We have seen it, and we testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life with which the Father, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We mentioned it last week, your life is not involved in telling somebody what they ought to think when it comes to being able to share your faith. Your responsibility is to be an eyewitness to that which is happening in your life and an eyewitness to the resurrection. A Christian, a Christ follower, is one who shares the life of God by a relationship to a real person and the only person who has the life of God is the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ the Son of God he is the person who has the life and then he imparts that life to those who choose to follow him and so you are in a relationship with a real person God himself who came in the flesh lived a sinless life, died on a cross, was raised from the grave, which we celebrated Easter two weeks ago, ascended to the Father, sent His Holy Spirit back down, said He was going to come again in physical form and have what's referred to as the second coming of Christ and establish a new heaven and a new earth in a visible kingdom, not just a spiritual internal kingdom. This is the master narrative of the world. And you are living in that narrative. And as living in that narrative, you need to always remind yourself that this isn't just some faith you're carrying because your parents told you or because there was some spiritual experience in your life and now you got to walk it out. You are in a relationship with a real person as a follower of Christ, as a believer. 
And then it says, later, in this same epistle, in the fifth chapter, whoever has the Son has life. Who, dare, who does not have the Son of God does not have life. In other words, if you do not have the life of Jesus living within you, you are spiritually flatlined. You are dead as it would be. But when Christ comes into your life in this real person relationship, you are awakened, you become alive, you become born again, you become regenerated, you become redeemed, and God brings you a life a spiritual life and an external life even if you enable allow him that you never had before this is the message we declare to you that god is light and in him there is no darkness at all because god is light but god is life first john 3 1 chapter 3 then he goes on and he says this as we looked at briefly last week we proclaim to you that we what we have seen and heard again this was real so that you may also have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the father and with his son jesus christ now i want to park here this morning a little bit on this word fellowship the word fellowship comes from the greek word koinonia it's a a a word that you don't necessarily say too much in your normal life today. It's like, well, how was your fellowship this week? You say, well, how was your time with your friends? Like my daughter was with some friends last night, and, and I saw her this morning, and I said, hey, how'd it go last night? What? You, did, you know, did you have some fellowship? No, you don't use the word fellowship. But fellowship is a very biblical word. It comes from the word koinonia. Sometimes today we say community, and it's, it's more than the friendship kind of thing. There's something about fellowship that, Paul, uh, that John's positioning here that we need to dial into. Now, if you were in a Navy, you got some Navy people, and I got Scott down here, that kind of thing, is that uh, if, if you were to ask some Navy people, uh, they would say, well, what fellowship is? It's two fellows on the same ship. It's two fellows on the same ship. Now, why, why is that sort of funny? We go, well, it sort of rhymes. But here, there's truth in that. You know why? Because fellowship is critical if we, um, as individuals, when we relate one to another, because when we relate one to another, through fellowship, we are sharing something that is what? In common. We are sharing something in common. And when we share something that's in common, we have a deeper level of friendship than just hanging out. And here you find that the fellowship with others and the fellowship with God are interconnected. Fellowship with us is a horizontal thing, relationships we have one with another, but it's dependent, if you're having biblical Christian fellowship, on fellowship with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. You are multiple fellows that are on the same ship, and that same ship is having a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why Christian community, when you come in and you're part of a body like this, even if you don't know somebody... Even if maybe they're not even a Christ follower, maybe they're just a seeker, and that's, this is a safe place for seekers. 
you have something in common in that you have an interest in learning about God or an interest in worshiping God or maybe an interest in having your kid in a class so they can, so you can't. There's something that you have in common. Now, what do we have in common as human beings? We have several things in common. We have something in common um, as human beings. We all are given a certain lifespan. Uh, we all have certain capacities within our physical being. We have something in common in that uh, uh, we're Americans and uh, we uh, live in this nation together. So we can follow some of the same politics for good or bad, right? And we have something in common in, and we live in this valley, right? In Southern California we are. We have some things in common. So when you have things in common, it starts to give the opportunity for fellowship to come together. But there's a difference between having a relationship and having fellowship. You see, you can have a relationship with someone without having fellowship with that person. I found it interesting in uh, Prince Philip's uh, funeral this past week, right? Uh, one of the uh, underlying storylines was, oh, well, here's Prince Harry going back to the UK, and is he going to get along with Prince William, and how's all that going to be? Because they hadn't seen each other for a year, and, you know, here's the, the news media going, oh, they were talking to one another here or there, and you're going like, well, I tell you what, the question comes down to this, okay, they have a relationship, they're brothers, but how's their fellowship going? They have something in co common, right? The, uh, the kingdom issues of uh, Britain, United Kingdom, but is there camaraderie and fellowship? Are they communing together? Here's one of the things that we need to just be real with this morning. There are some of us in this room who have a relationship that do not have fellowship with God. There's some in this room that don't have a relationship, and we want to encourage you to consider having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Having a relationship with God who is light and life. And you cross that line of relationship and invite Christ to come into your life, and, and things begin to change, and some encouragement happens there, just like the video that we saw of the lady in Thailand. And you go, that's great. But you know what happens a lot of times is you have the relationship and it starts to stop after a while. Not the relationship. You're still a believer. There's, you're a Christian, those kinds of things. You're dying. You're going to be in the presence of the Lord, that kind of thing. But, but somewhere the fellowship with God has been lost. And fellowship one with another. There's a lot of Christians who are at home today. I'm not talking to those who are in line. You sort of checked in today. That's pretty good, right? Great to see you. But we're well, fine. I got my faith. Somewhere we move out of fellowship, not the relationship, and we just park there. And John's concerned about this because he sees it happening in the Christian circles, the churches that he was giving credence to, and he was trying to encourage. He was trying to let them know that they needed to have something more than just a relationship. They needed to have fellowship, and fellowship has two components to it. It has partnership, and it has friendship. 
partnership. You ever been in a partnership on a project or creating something, establishing something, right? You bring your resources to the table. The other person brings their resources to the table. And I'm not just talking monetarily if you're starting up a business. I'm talking, you know, you're bringing your energy and your heart and your enthusiasm, you know, maybe your personality style, they're bringing theirs, and together you're going to make something happen. And whether that is in a business or maybe it's some other kind of project or an initiative or maybe even a ministry within the church, you're partnering together. And when you partner together, you start to have fellowship because there is more invested in your life and what's going on. And then there's the friendship, because you're journeying together, you're hanging out, you're getting to know one another, you're working on things together, you're envisioning things, you're going to, you know, just go have some fun or lunch together. The friendship issue comes into play. Fellowship is much deeper than a relationship. Question point, do you have fellowship with God the Father through His Son and with others, or are you just in a relationship with God and that's good? You being here shows me that there's more interest than just a relationship. You want the fellowship. And the fellowship is critical because God intended for us to have a deeper life with him. And then it says this on the heels of that. We write this to make our joy complete. Their joy as leaders, but their joy as a church community in Ephesus and beyond. Their joy together with the joy they have in the Lord. Here's some of the high. You want a high? Participate in the light and life of Jesus Christ and get yourself immersed in fellowship, not just the relationship. And your joy becomes complete. But at this time in John's uh, world, there were schisms and other things happening in the Christian churches, and there was concern, where's this all going, and, and I need to pull some people back. John was a mender of fences. In fact, when he was called as a teenager, he was mending the fences, if you remember that, the nets, and he, he was a mender. He was, he was trying to speak into the, the family of God life and say, hey, listen, come on, guys. And I tell you what, on the other side of COVID, I feel like I'm trying to mend the nets and bring people back together and say, where's our focus? Yeah, God was with us, and we had some deep spiritual, you know, intense kind of uh, growth during the season. But friends, the body of Christ coming together, what we're called to be doing together in fellowship is part of where our joy's at. And we need to give attention to the fellowship of the body of Christ. And the body of Christ fellowship is directly connected with what you bring in the door and what I bring in the door concerning our fellowship with God. Some things happened uh, this week that were challenging in one sense. I don't know why you ever have some of those weeks where you have some of the lows. And some things that were in my wife Melissa's life that were challenging. And last night, you would think, the night before church, you'd be doing okay. But we each had an edge with one another. Well, actually, it wasn't with one another. We just had an edge about some things in life. This morning, I wake up, I go into uh, uh, the bathroom area, and she has playing a song. She has a, um, a playlist of songs that bring healing and hope. And her song that she had playing when I stepped in to start picking out what I was going to wear or whatever, I'm going, that's exactly what I need. And the song was, you may have the world, but give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. 
You can take everything else, but give me Jesus. And I thought, thank you for that realignment in my spirit. Because I can't step up here. I'm just one of these guys, okay? You just need to know. I can't step up here and fake it. I have to be able to give out of the overflow of my life. Now, if I hadn't heard that song, I still would have been up here and we would have been doing all right. But I tell you what, I got recalibrated pretty quick. Because I said, that's what I need. I need fellowship with Jesus today. And not worry about all these stinking problems, church problems, other problems, you name them. They're there. They combated you when you walked in today in your own life. You were wrestling with them. I said, have all the world, but give me Jesus. Because I know my ability to breathe fellowship and richness amongst us and see our joy complete is directly related to my ability on a vertical level to be able to have fellowship with Jesus. And if we want to have rich fellowship in this church and not just play church and not just check it off our list for the week or clock in and clock out, do the programs, you work at your vertical relationship with Jesus. Then you come into the horizontal environments of fellowship with others. And there's richness and there's joy. And friends, you can't buy that at Costco. So this exhortation isn't, hey, go out there and do the dad, that a boys in your Christian life. John was broken over this, what he was seeing in the church. He was saying, God, this is the message we've heard from him. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. May we lean into the fellowship with God, the Father, and his Son, Jesus Christ, so that we have fellowship one with another. And in that, there will be joy. You'll have some highs to tell somebody. I was with the body of Christ this last week. Some of you are involved in rooted groups or our 10-week discipleship group. And, and I was catching some words. I was talking to uh, Joe and about his rooted group this last week. We had uh, lunch or whatever. And, and I'm like, yeah, that's good to hear. You were having fellowship and richness, sharing on your fellowship with Jesus. And it becomes a highlight of the week. Oh, yeah. And I just want to challenge us. If you have a relationship with Jesus... Praise God. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, consider doing it. But my question today isn't about the relationship. It's about the fellowship. That's why then he goes on and says what I've mentioned there in verse 5. This is the message that we have. This is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Now I want to pause on this whole God is light thing. Because it's like, oh yeah, God's light. I've heard that. No darkness in him. That's great. Next. Let's think about light for a little bit. What are three things that light does if you're seeking fellowship with God who is light? The first thing that light brings to us is that it reveals. You can see me this morning. I can see you. Why? Because of light. If we turn the lights off, we would be in darkness, and you could not see. Think of a dark room you've walked into. I don't know where I'm going. You're trying to touch your way around. So when the lights come on, it reveals things. So if God is light, and you have the life of God who is light living in you, then guess what? The lights start to go on. 
and things are revealed to you as a Christ follower that were not revealed to you before. Revelation from God himself. You're seeing things that you'd never seen before. You're even reworking some of your beliefs and your systems and your, uh, I, I don't know, uh, stuff you, you just have a lot of opinions about. And why is that as you walk in the light? Because the light is revealing things. Uh, any of you got yard issues going on right now in the spring you need to have addressed? Some of you don't have yards. I know it's a SoCal thing. I, being a Midwest boy, I wanted a yard. So I have a yard, a very nice yard. Uh, uh, started a, a year and a half ago when we finally did something with the barren back yard that uh, they don't give you anything when you buy a house. It's just dirt, and uh, it costs money to replace dirt with landscaping and everything. But uh, a year ago or so, we, we got that accomplished a little bit, and uh, they seeded the yard. And the yard, like, I'm ready for it to grow. Let's, let's, let's see it happen. You know, for a whole year, over a year and three months now, I have yet to mow my yard. You know Why? Because yards don't grow here as well as they grow in the Midwest. You have to have them watered, and I have an irrigation system. But it kept, you know, I, I, where's my yard at? And then I started to realize that there were these uh, little marbles all over my yard. You know what I'm talking about. Rabbits. I'd see a rabbit here or there. I'd see them munching. Go to bed, I'd see them munching. Uh, and I go, man, those rabbits. How do I get rid of the rabbits? They're like, like eating my yard. I guess they're my lawnmower. Well, one night in the middle of the night at 3 a.m., I was up, and it was dark as dark could be outside. I got one of those big blazing flashlights. I went outside quietly, and I turned it on. I counted them. There were 13 rabbits in my yard, and they were just devouring the yard. I was feeding, raising rabbits. I never knew it, right? Those little munchkins. I trapped a couple of them. Put them in a nice place far away, close to the church here, actually. I live in French Valley. And for whatever reason, they must have communicated while they were in the cage. Stay out of his yard! I haven't seen any. Now, probably coming back. But uh, I give you this example because it's not rabbits inside of us sometimes. We, we just don't see things that are there and they're happening or not happening. And the light of God, when it comes in your life, it begins to reveal things. Wow, I never saw that before. I never thought that way because he's revealing truth to you. Do you get frustrated with some people? I know we all have opinions on certain things and sometimes it's a gray area. It doesn't matter. It's not white or black kind of deal and that's fine. So I'm not going to go down that road. But sometimes you get really frustrated because what the issue is is a moral issue of right and wrong. Why can't they see this? Right? The issue of being pro-life and pro-choice comes before us, right? Well, guess what? I'm pro-choice. I don't want somebody to tell me if I should get the vaccine or not. I've gotten the vaccine. It was the J&J &J one. It's been three weeks. I don't think I have any blood clots. I think I'm pretty good. And so, just messing with you, and in case something happens to me, you know, that kind of thing. But I'm like, <laughs> but if somebody doesn't like the vac taking vaccines, that's fine. You should have the rights over your own body to make choices. But when you have a life that's other than your life, that's within your life, when a mother is pregnant, then you have two choice people, choices you have to make. Your choices and choice for the baby, right? 
does the baby have a choice to live or to die? They should have, right? So I'm really pro-life, though I think you should be able to choose on behalf of your life and the life of a newborn. Now, I know that's a little bit of a rabbit trail that I just went down there, but it's very hard for me to understand the difficulty in our world concerning this issue. And I know this issue is hard, especially if that was a choice that was made in your life and you've needed the grace of God or you can have the grace of God to understand that we're going to see so many people in heaven, not just, I believe, uh, uh, that, that succumbed to abortion, but succumbed to miscarriages and things like that. We had a miscarriage in our life because God creates the soul when? At birth. And that eternal life will be with him in eternity. And so I understand it's a very difficult subject, especially if it was something close into your life. But here this morning, I just highlighted as an example of if you're frustrated with somebody because they're not aligning with you on a certain issue, that's fine in one sense. But there are some moral things that you go, I just don't understand that. Well, don't get all upset at people. You have to ask yourself, is the light of God not just resident, but beaming through them, because God's light reveals. Not only does God's light reveals, God's light measures. You know, you measure things with light, right? I went to get some boards this week to make sure I closed off the lower part of my big gate that I have, 15-foot wide gate. And so I went to Lowe's to get the boards to, to sort of close that off because I didn't want the rabbits in or the rattlesnakes. And I'm like, I need some straight boards. What do I do? I tip the board on the edge and I allow the light in the room to show me if it's straight or not. Because light is true. It measures I have the privilege of painting around here some, and I painted all the black that's up top. And that line that's along that wall right there, between the, the beige and the black, guess how that line got there? By a laser light that I put up. And the laser light showed where the paint needed to go and not go. So there's a measurement that comes from light. We measure distance in the universe with what? The speed of light. You get the light of God in your life, he begins to measure. He begins to show you distances, straightness. The light of God reveals, the light of God measures, and the third is light energizes. Light energizes. He makes things come alive. It makes things come alive. Let me read this for you. This is from um, an old-time preacher by the name of Philip Brooks, and he says this concerning our earthly world. When the sun rose this morning, <clears throat> it found the world in darkness, torpid and heavy and asleep, with powers all wrapped up in sluggishness, with life that was hardly better or more alive than death. The sun found this great sleeping world and woke it. It bade it to be itself. It quickened every slow and sluggish faculty. It called to the dull streams and said, Be quick! to the dull birds and bade them to sing, to the dull fields and made them grow, to the dull men and, and bade them to think and to talk and to work. It flashed electrical invitations to the whole mass of sleeping power, which really was the world, and summoned it into action. It did not make the world. It did not start another set of processes as, un, 
processes, unlike those that had been sluggishly moving in the darkness, it poured strength into the essential processes which belonged to the very nature of the earth. It glorified, intensified, it fulfilled the earth. You see the sun come up, things come alive, things start to grow. There's energy in light. You make that light really intense like a laser, and it can be a weapon because there's energy in light. And so when we say God is light and Him there is no darkness at all, let's just not get into the, yeah, 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 I got you. What's the next verse? No. God reveals, He measures, and He energizes your life. And if you're not in fellowship with the God of light, and you're just hanging out in that relationship, then you're missing out on revelation, truth, measurement, discernment, energy, strength, power. Can't buy it at Costco. But you can buy it in fellowship, in fellowship with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, and in fellowship, one with another he goes on and says this two more verses here this morning as we walk it out if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness we lie and do not live by the truth but if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship one with another so how do we get this light and fellowship thing working in our life? You see, if we claim to have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, it ain't happening. There's no revelation, there's no measurement, there's no energy. What, what do you do to make a room dark? Do you scoop out all the lightness? No. And move in some darkness? You just turn off the light and darkness. What do we need to do to get the light back on? Well, it's up to you and I to take the initiative that we are to walk in the light as He is in the light. And we will have fellowship with one another and joy because of our fellowship with him. You are responsible to turn the lights on for fellowship. Can I just mention three things to you real quick? One of them, and you can picture this because I'm the pastor of the church, right? People turn off the lights by just stopping fellowship in the church. Churches have problems. Trust me, I create some of the problems around here. People work for me, they'd say amen on that. We're all broken people. You stop going to church, you're taking the initiative to turn off the light. A consistent light. And here's the sad thing, it might be fine for you, but what about your children and your teenagers? The world that they're fighting against the fellowships that they're in. They need to have a light. They need to be in church consistently. And maybe it's not perfect. Maybe it's not everything. But every week we seek to uphold the word of God. 
and allow this light to become a part of your life. Make it a discipline to be in the body of Christ. And maybe it's not in church on Sunday morning only. Maybe it's in a life group initiative. Women can sign up for the new Bible study, right? There's other things. that Just get involved. Find yourself in the fellowship of God's people who are upholding the word of God. Not just playing church. And you will keep the lights on. You walk away, you get undisciplined in being here week in and week out. And oh, I know there's other things to do. And yeah, I dial in online. That's all great. I'm glad. But there's something about making church life a priority. And if you don't, it's like turning the light off. The second thing um, I want to exhort to you is this. It says in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourselves to see whether you are in faith. Test yourselves. I believe evangelicals, we have a hard time doing this. We're very great at judging other people deciding if they're in or out or whether it's a moral issue or not or other kind of things. We have this trouble in our marriages. We have this trouble in all kinds of relationships where we're finger pointing, but we don't realize the finger needs to point back towards us. We need to examine ourselves to see if we are in the light. Are we taking that initiative to rightfully evaluate? Yeah, my spouse, she's got issues. He's got issues. But what are my issues and take that moment and that time to let the word of God which is the third thing I want to say let the word of God be the light in your life let the word of God fellowship with others in church and out but let yourself be examined by the light and allow that light to dissipate the darkness so that you can have fellowship with God and fellowship one with another this is our message that we have heard from him god is light and in him there is no darkness at all if we walk in the light as he is in the light we will have fellowship with one another and then look at this last part of verse 7 and the blood of jesus his son purifies us from all sin. We're going to pick that up next week related to the subject of sin. But when you turn the light on and you walk in fellowship with one another by walking in fellowship with God, there's something beautiful that just continues to happen in your life related to the sin factor. You see, darkness is not talking about the sin issue in your life. We sin because we live in darkness. We are not in darkness because we sin. Big difference. We sin because we live in darkness. We are not in darkness because we live in sin. But there's something that happens when you move into that fellowship that the blood of Jesus Christ purifies us, cleanses us afresh and new every morning from sin. You know, if you walked through a soot-filled area of life, maybe it's volcanic ash, maybe it's something else thick, you could cut it with a knife, you would be covered with soot, except for two places, you know where those two are? Your eyes, because your eyes are continually being cleansed and purified. That's how God made them. And so when you walk in fellowship, in the light of God, dissipating darkness, that fresh joy of walking 
and the purity of your sins is fresh and new every morning. Will you pray with me? Lord, I ask this morning that if there are individuals who, though they are in a relationship with you, are out of fellowship with you, that they're not pursuing depth and intimacy and love and service and compassion, that you would challenge them this week to be involved in your word, to examine themselves rightly. Lord, that they would be in community with others and that, God, you would use those processes to turn the light on and dissipate the darkness. And Lord, if there are those who have never crossed the line of a relationship this morning, I pray, God, that they would make that choice, repenting of their sins and indifference to you and turning their life over to you. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. That they would come into relationship with you. But then, Lord, for all of us, keep us close in fellowship with you so that we may be in close fellowship one with another, so that our joy would be full, so that the joy of others would be full, that you would be glorified. Lord, a sobering word from the Apostle John for our day and age, that we would not be believers, Christians, who had a real relationship with a real person, you, but ignored it and live out of that deep fellowship that reveals, measures, and energizes. Bless us, Lord, as we go forward. May we take this message that God is life and in him there is no darkness at all to our friends, our relatives, our work associates, our neighbors. Lord, send us out. We want to be fully alive in you, Christ, and fully alive to your mission, to your message. Amen and amen. See you next week. Read 1 John. We'll pick it up back up at verse 8.